Hey guys, what's going on? And welcome back to an all new, brand new episode of Unknown Serial Killers. We're going to cut this intro really short because this person that we have today is real lengthy. So we're just going to get started really soon. But first, viewer's discretion is advised because we're talking about murder, violence, and possible drug use. But of course, we're here for murder and violence because why would we be listening? So today's person is going to be Paul Bernardo. So just let's get started. Paul Kenneth Bernardo was born in Scarborough, Ontario on August 24th, 1964, the third and legally youngest child of Kenneth Walter Bernardo and Marilyn Elizabeth Bernardo. Bernardo's father often sexually abused his oldest sister, Deborah, in front of other family members and would eventually be charged with crimes involving pedophilia. Bernardo's mother often withdrew from her family due to depression and eventually moving into the basement. Bernardo presented himself as being a happy and well-adjusted child despite his family's dysfunction and was an active member of the Boy Scouts. Beneath the charm and fescade, however, he gradually developed inclements and dark sexual fantasies, one of which involved creating a virgin farm where he would breed virgin girls to rape. After a fight between his parents in 1981, Bernardo, then age 16, was informed by his mother that he was the result of an extramarital affair and that Kenneth was not his biological father. Repulsed, Bernardo began to call his mother a slut and whore. She reciprocated by calling him a bastard from hell. That's hurtful. Let's keep going. Later, after growing weary of Bernardo's domineering behavior, his first girlfriend left him for one of his friends. In retaliation, Bernardo set fire to all items in his possession that belonged to his girlfriend. Bernardo attended Gillywood Secondary School. It's a, it's a high school. And in 1982, the University of Toronto, Scarborough, where another notorious Canadian murderer, Russell Williams, was coincidentally two academic years behind him. As his day job, Bernardo worked in Amway, the sales culture of which deeply affected him. He brought the books and tapes of famous motivational get-rich-and-famous experts. Bernardo and his college friends practiced pickup techniques on young women they met, they met in bars and were fairly successful. Bernardo delighted in humiliating his dates in public and engaging in aggressive anal intercourse in bed. His relationships became increasingly violent and unstable, and his partners were threatened with death if they disclosed the abuse. In 1986, Bernardo was served with restraining orders by two women after he made obscene phone calls. In October 1987, Bernardo met Carla Homek while she was visiting Scarborough to attend a pet store conference. The two shared an immediate attraction as Homek encouraged Bernardo's sadistic sexual behavior. This is where it all started. Between 1987 and 1990, Bernardo committed increasingly vicious serial rapes in and around Scarborough. He attacked most of his victims after stalking them as they got off buses late in the evening. The known victims, known incidents are May 4th, 1987, rape of a 21-year-old Scarborough woman in front of her parents' house after Bernardo followed her home. May 14, 1987, rape of a 19-year-old woman in the backyard of her parents' house. 
July 17, 1987, attempted rape of a young woman, although he beat the woman. Bernardo abandoned the attack when she fought back. September 29, 1987, attempted rape of a 15-year-old girl. Bernardo broke into the victim's home and entered her bedroom. He jumped on her back, put his hand over her mouth, threatened her with a knife, bruised the side of her face, and bit her ear. Bernardo fled when the victim's mom entered the room and screamed. Anthony Haymayer was wrongfully convicted of the assault in 1989 and served a 16-month prison sentence, but was exonerated after Bernardo admitted to the crime in 2006. December 16, 1987, rape of a 15-year-old girl. The next day, the Toronto Police Service issued a warning to women at Scarborough traveling alone at night, especially those riding buses. December 23, 1987, rape of a 17-year-old girl with a knife he used to threaten his victims. At this point, he began to be known as a Scarborough rapist. April 18, 1988, attack of a 17-year-old girl. May 25, 1988, Bernardo was nearly caught by a uniformed police officer stalking, staking out a bus shelter. Although officer noticed him hiding under a tree and pursued him on foot, Bernardo escapes. May 30, 1988, rape of an 18-year-old woman in Ontario, about 40 kilometers southwest of Scarsborough. October 4, 1988, Attempted rape in Scarborough. Although he and the, his intended victim fought him off, Bernardo inflicted two stab wounds to her thigh and buttocks, which required 12 stitches. November 16, 1988, rape of an 18-year-old woman in the backyard of her parents' house. November 17, 1988, police formed a task force to capture the Scarborough rapist. December 27, 1988, attempted rape with a neighbor chasing Bernardo off. June 20, 1989, attempted rape. The young woman fought and her screams alerted neighbors. Bernardo fled with scratches on his face. August 15, 1989, rape of a 22-year-old woman. November 21, 1989, rape of a 15-year-old girl Bernardo saw in a bus shelter. December 22, 1989, rape of a 19-year-old woman. May 26, 1990, rape of a 19-year-old woman. The victim's vivid recollection of her attacker enabled police to create a computer composite portrait, which was released two days later by police and publicized in Toronto and surrounding areas. July 1990, two months after police received tips that Bernardo resembled a Scarborough rapist composite, he was interviewed by two police detectives. From May to September 1990, Toronto police submitted more than 130 suspect samples from DNA testing. Investigators received two tips pointed to Bernardo, the first in June had been filed by a bank employee. The second was from Tina Smyrnis, wife of one of the three Smyrnis brothers who were among Bernardo's closest friends. Smyrnis told detectives that Bernardo had been called in on a previous rape investigation once in December 1987, but he had never been interviewed. Bernardo frequently talked about his sex life to Smyrnis and said that he liked rough sex. Police interviewed Bernardo on November 20th, 1990, for 35 minutes. Bernardo voluntarily provided DNA samples for forensic testing. When the detectives, when the detectives asked Bernardo why he thought he was given investigation for the rapes, he admitted that he was resembled a composite. Reportedly, detectives found Bernardo more credible than Smyrnas. This, oof, goodness gracious, this is a lot. 
Early in the morning of June 5th, 1991, while detouring through Burlington to steal license plates, Bernardo came across 14-year-old Leslie Mayhaf. Mayhaf had been locked out of her house for missing curfew after attending a friend's wake. Bernardo left his car and approached Mayhaf, saying that he wanted to break into a neighbor's house. Unfazed, she asked if he had any cigarettes. When Bernardo led her to his car, he blindfolded her, forced her into the car, drove her to Port Dalhousie, and informed Homac that they had a victim. Bernardo and Homelak videotaped themselves torturing and sexually abusing Mayhaf while they listened to pop music. At one point, Bernardo said, you're doing a good job, Leslie, a damn good job, adding, the next two hours are going to determine what I do to you. Right now, you're scoring perfect. On another segment of tape played at Bernardo's trial, the assault escalated, Mayhaf cried out in pain and begged Bernardo to stop. In the crown description of the scene, he was sodomizing her while his hands were bound with twine. Mayhaf later told Bernardo that her blindfold seemed to be slipping, which signaled the possibility that she could identify her attackers if she lived. The following day, Bernardo claimed Homac fed her a lethal dose of trazolam. Homac claimed that Bernardo strangled her. They put Mayhaf's body in their basement the day before Homac family had dinner at the house. So y'all had dinner at the house where this body was. Following the dinner party, Bernardo and Home Homelack decided to dismember Mayhaf's body and encase each part of her remains in cement. Bernardo brought a dozen bags of cement at a warehouse store for the following day. He kept the receipts, which were damaging at his trial. After Bernardo cut apart the body using his grandfather's circular saw, the couple made a number of trips to dump the cement blocks in Lake Gibson. 18 kilometers south of Port Dalhousie. At least one of the blocks weighed 90 kilometers, 200 pounds. It was beyond their ability to sink. It laid near the shore where it was found on June 29, 1991, coincidentally on Bernardo and Holmack's wedding day. Mayhav's orthodontist appliance was instrumental in identifying her. Several days before Holmack's release from prison on July 25th, July 2005, excuse me, Bernardo was interviewed by police and his lawyer, Tony Bryant. According to Bryant, Bernardo stated that he had also intended to free the girl he and Homelak had kidnapped. However, when Mayhaf's blindfold fell off, Homelak was concerned that Mayhaf would identify Bernardo and report the couple to the police. Bernardo came, claimed that Homelak planned to murder Mayhaf by injecting an air bubble into her bloodstream, triggering an air embolism. Whew. I, we're going to get into it. It's, 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 it's a lot. It's definitely a lot. It's definitely a lot. 26 months after Bernardo submitted a DNA sample, Tor- Toronto police were informed that a match that of the Scarborough rapist and immediate placed him on the 24-hour surveillance. Metro Toronto Sexual Assault Squad investigators interviewed Homelak on February 9th, 1993. Despite hearing their suspicions about Bernardo, she focused on his abuse of her. Later that night, Homelak told her aunt and uncle that Bernardo was a Scar- Scarborough rapist, that she and Bernardo were involved in the rape and murder of Mayhap and French, and that and that the rapes were recorded on videotape. On February 17th, detectives arrested Bernardo on several charges and obtained a search warrant. Because his link to the murder was weak, the warrant was limited. No evidence, which was not expected, 
and documented in a warrant could be removed from his property and all videos that was found by police would have to be viewed in the house. Damage had to be kept to a minimum. Police could not tear down walls looking for the tapes. The search of the house, including updated warrants, lasted 71 days, and the only tape found by police had a brief segment of Homek performing oral sex on Jane Doe. During a call from jail, Bernardo told his lawyer, Ken Murray, that the rape videos were hidden in a ceiling light fixture in the upstairs bathroom. Murray found the tapes and hid them from investigators. After Murray resigned as Bernard's lawyer, his new attorney, John Rosen, turned the tapes over to police. Good. Good. Because why would you, why would you hide that? Bernardo was tried for the murders of French and Mayhap in 1995, and his trial included detailed testimony from Homac and videotapes of the rape. Bernardo testified that the deaths were accidental, later claiming that Homelak was the actual killer lies. She might have helped, but didn't do it. On September 1st, 1995, Bernardo was convicted of a murder of offense, a number of offenses, including the first, the first, the two first degree murders and two aggravated sexual assaults and sentenced to life in prison without parole for at least 25 years. He was designated a dangerous offender, making him unlikely to ever be released. Now, there's definitely more to uncover to this case, but we're not going to do that. That's just definitely the basics. But anywho, that definitely was a lot to take in. This man is crazy. This man was sick. And of course, he tried to appeal for parole, but obviously every time he did, he was always denied because obviously why would you let somebody like him out of jail? But anyways... Thank you guys for tuning in and joining me this week for this crazy story of this serial killer that we call the Scarborough Rapist, also known as Paul Bernardo. Please come back and join me next week as we uncover another serial killer. As I tell you guys, be nice to people because you never know who they kill. See you guys next week.